This is the Hope Church Mill Creek Podcast, and you're hearing the voice of lead pastor Josh Westmoreland. Hope Church Mill Creek is a church replant in the Hope Church family based out of Danville, Virginia. Our church specifically is in Roxboro, North Carolina, just about an hour north of Durham. Our family of Hope Churches has a total of 13 locations at this time along the Virginia-North Carolina border, mostly in smaller rural communities. Our uh, specific location has existed officially since January 22, when my family and I moved from Mississippi to lead this plant. We hope you enjoy this podcast and bring something away from it that helps you. If you do, it would help us greatly if you left a good review on Apple Podcasts or you just, you know, shared it. We wish you all the best, uh, grace and peace to all of you, and happy listening. Philippians 4, verse number 10 through verse number 20. Um, we're going to read this and we'll put up the, the title of the sermon here in a little bit. Philippians 4, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Verse number 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. Remember, this is Paul talking. He's talking to people that he's writing a letter thanking them for the money that he gave them, or the money that they gave him. You revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I'm speaking of being in need, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatsoever, whatever situation I am, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ, through Him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs not once, but once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit or the profit that increases to your credit or to your account. I have received full payment. I got everything you sent me, and even more, I am well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Whenever you study the Bible, whenever you read the Bible, and I hope that as, as you've been coming here, I hope you're developing a hunger for the Word. Like, I can feed, and I can give, and as a pastor should lead, and he should teach. But if, if this is the only time you're feeding on the Word of God, you're going to starve through the week. So here's a little tidbit. If you're studying a passage of Scripture... 
let's say it's five verses or it's three verses or ten verses. If you're studying a passage of Scripture, here's something you need to look for. If you're trying to figure out, man, what does this mean? How many of us have read verses we thought, man, I ain't got no idea what that means, right? When you read it, read it once and again and again and ask yourself, what are some themes or some words that I'm seeing happen and occur over and over again? Well, a few of them in this right here is you see the word concern and concerned again and again. So we're going to put that word up, the word concern. Let's look at what that means. Concern means to have understanding, to be wise, to feel. I'm concerned for you, so I feel for you. I think about you. I'm going to direct my mind to something to seek, to strive, etc., etc. So it's like, hey, you were concerned for me, but now you are really concerned. Then we see another word over and over again. We see the word, well, a few times. We see the word learned. Can we put the word learn up there? Learn, manthano. It means to learn, to be apprised, to increase one's knowledge. Right? And that's a good thing, right? We're going to talk about learning here in a second. Remind me when we get to learning to tell you the one irritating thing about learning. Just there's, remind me to that. I want to tell you that. To hear, to be informed, to learn by use and practice. And then we also see uh, the word circumstances or in whatever circumstances. And I love this word. It's just the pronoun os. And it means who, what. Who, which, what, that. I like to think of it because I'm weird as a sentence. Who? Which? What? That? That's why emphasis added on the end. I want to put up a, um, the title of this message and then I'm going to come clean about something. Can I do that today? The title is Living, Giving, Contentment. There should be joy in a Christian's life just to live. Right? We talked about that last week. You get up, you get a cup of coffee, and you're just like, man, God, thank you for this thing. Right? Man, Lord, thank you for the clothes that I have. Lord, thank you for the, the car that I drive. Even if it is, you know, we made fun of a, having a beater car. Even if it is a beater, if it cranks and it goes... Hopefully it stops. <laughs> if you have transportation, we ought to thank God. Amen? There should be joy in just living. There should also be joy in giving back. We were talking about giving to the poor a minute ago, weren't we? That should be something that Christians do. Christians should also be in the habit of being generous to the church, to other ministries, and especially other people that we find in need. There's joy in that. And we're going to talk about giving here in a second. And, you know, it's, it's man, it's just it baked in. If we are not giving back somehow and we are holding on to everything and pinching dimes and dollars and not giving back, and especially if we have the opportunity to give back, but yet we spend foolishly on all the other things, run up the credit cards as much as we can, not for bills, but buying things we don't need, that says that things are out of balance. And if that is uncomfortable, I understand, because I think we're all probably guilty. 
But this is also this, I think the main theme of this whole thing is that last word, contentment. Now, I, I, I normally like to get up here and have a totally Josh off the wall introduction that maybe has some of you wondering like, okay, he's talking about oranges and orange peels. How is he going to, and there's a connection. I like to have something random that connects because it kind of hooks us in, you know. I don't have that today. Here's what I have today. I have just an honest confession. This is something I've struggled with for a long time. Contentment. And if I've had addictions in my life, and I have, one of them has been materialism. And I've wrestled with that. It is, man, there's this thing and you know, set my heart upon a thing and think, man, I need that thing so badly. And, and there's this false hope that's wrapped up in it. Like, man, if I get that thing, if I buy that thing, man, it'll, it'll excite me. It'll make me happy. And, and I'm going to be really honest with you. For a hot minute, it does. Like, it feels really good. And there's almost like this high, right? And it's like, man, this is awesome. And then you get excited. And it lasts for a little while. But then over days, weeks, months, usually a lot sooner than that, you start to see the cracks and the crevices. And it's like, uh, that's not everything. Well, and then do you know what happens from there? It goes to this. Well, it's not, look, that's not what I thought it was. So let's, let's pass this along, and then the heart creates another need. Oh, 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 I was mistaken before. It's not that thing. It's that one. And so it's like this thing has lost its luster, Oh, 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 that's going to do it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Man, doesn't it just, it like takes you way high and then it just, boom. And that's been a wrestle, for, man, that's been a struggle for me for a long time. And so I don't preach at you like, man, boy, I'm, I'm just, one, I want to tell you, Let's unpack what the scripture says, what I think that Paul's trying to get at here. But at the same time, I, I think the problem for us all, I, I if I'm honest with you, I think it's all sin. It's this attitude of, oh, well, God and his presence and his needs that he gives me, not greeds, he gives me these needs and I'm satisfied with this. What discontentment says is, no, I'm, God, what you have given me, what I have, what I need, even a few wants that I have, God, here's the thing. You are not quite 
enough. I need more. And so then we go and we start trying to fill the needs only that God can give. How many of us, let me ask you a personal question. I know I jumped off in the area of cell phones last week. I'm not sure I should have, but let me ask you this. How many of you have been in a loop and you went, I hope this is not like my introvert question last week. That was so funny, by the way. If you weren't here last week, this was so hilarious. In the moment, I asked, how many of you are introverts in the room? And like the introverts in the room went like this. <laughs> like the introverts wanted to identify themselves. It was just perfect. It was a perfect thing. But I want to ask you a personal question. How many of us have done that with our cell phones? Like we got on social media and we thought, one more video, one more post. And so it's just like an endless up, 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 up. And before you know it, wait. What time is it? And hours. How many, how many of us have done that? And it, does it fulfill you after you get through? Do you feel like, man, I've really accomplished something in this life now? Not to mention that when we do that, we put ourselves in danger of sin the whole time. Like just stuff, but also, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but those algorithms out there, they post, they want you to see the lustful things. They want you to see the sensual things. And you think about it, wouldn't the enemy just love to get his talons in you like that, that way? Isn't that just perfect? For him it is. So I'm not trying to dive off that and, and preach on that today. Here's all I'm saying is, if your thing's not materialism, maybe it is uh, maybe it is an intimate relationship that you know you shouldn't be in. Maybe it is, um, you know, you feel like you need to buy uh, a, a new uh, dog or you have to get a new cat or you have to get a new thing. It's like, that's going to fill me. Look, animal person of all animal persons right here. Look, I told, I told uh, well, Cheryl the other day. I told her the other day, I said, I love my family. I love my church family. And I love my Boston I do, man. I love my dog. But how many of us have realized that just buying a new animal or buying a new car, it takes a while. It's like they do bring us some half feelings of happiness, but it doesn't do it. Do we know that? So I stand up here today telling you that I wrestle with this, man. I do. And, and if I'm being transparent, I fall in it a lot. So now that I've confessed my sins to you, and I don't have a fancy introduction, can we get into the Word this morning and deal with this? Um, I want to throw up a scripture to you first. First? First Timothy 6, 6 is where I want us to look at real quick. But godliness with contentment is great what? Gain. If you can be godly, be close to God, in His Word, walking His Spirit, is that more valuable than a million dollars? It should be, because you can't take it with you, right? By the way, the context here, Paul was talking to a young pastor, and he was like, hey, I'm warning you, pal. He was like, there's some pastors getting in this game because they see that there's money in it for them. And he said, don't you be that way. Don't you be thinking that 
you're going to take advantage of the flock. Don't do that. So, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Now let's look Philippians chapter 4 in verse number 10. Y'all ready? We ready? Did I pray or no? I did not? All right. Father, we come to you today. We need you. God, I need you. Um, Lord, I, we all need you to speak to us today. God, we're one of the most beautiful things about coming together as a church family is, is dropping the, the act, being humble, being willing to let the Scripture and your Spirit correct us so that we can be better servants of you. Lord, may we not be so hemmed into what we think that we don't allow you to change us. Because, Lord, we should all be in an attitude of repentance all the time. Repenting from the wrong way, going the way that is the way of Christ. Living in the spirit of truth. So help us as we unpack the scriptures this morning. God, speak through me. Speak through the word. Bless us today. Help us to be humble. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So verse number 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly how at length you revived your concern for me. You were concerned for me, so you had, but you had no opportunity. How many things are we concerned about in the world? Right? I can't remember, and it's right on the tip of my tongue who came up with this idea, but now I can't remember. If y'all can think of it, give the credit to them. You have a circle of concern in your life. Let's say it's this big. And it's, you know, world news, it's, it's politics, it's uh, even local economy, it's, um, you know, what celebrities are doing or, or sports or all these things. You have a circle of concern, but inside that circle of concern is a much smaller circle called the circle of influence. And in that circle of influence is people like your immediate family, your husband, your wife, your kids, your church. Those are people that you touch that you can impact, that you can encourage. Things that are in this circle of concern, all these world affairs, you might be concerned about them, but there's not a lot you can do about it. Does that make sense? Not original to me, but I think it's a great idea. So many times our minds and our hearts are filled with the concerns of this circle, and we're not, we, we let the people in our immediate circle just pass right by. Right? So Paul is saying, I think what he's saying is this. He's like, man, before you were concerned for me, you thought about me, but it wasn't too personal. But now you have revived your concern for me, and you've thought, oh, wait a second. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Oh, wait. If the world is not my home, I'm just passing through it. Wait a second. We remember there was a guy. What's the guy's name? Pastor Paul. Yeah, Pastor Paul. Oh, man, we forgot. He's in prison. Man, we're enjoying our freedom, and this guy's in prison for the sake of the... Oh, man, I wonder how he's making it. Is he making it? I don't think he... Oh, man. You see what I'm saying? And they started going down that track and started thinking, 
good grief. We've got all these things that we've been thinking about, but we've, we've missed the main thing. Let's get on the main thing. We can't do anything about the past, but we can do something about right now. Let's gather up a collection for him, and let's go bless our brother in Christ because we don't know his situation. Let's bless him. Let's help him. He's in prison, and I'm not sure that he can even make his own money while he's in prison, so he's probably starving. And so Paul's writing letters like, man, let me tell you something. Ooh, I was struggling so bad. And then all of a sudden, Epaphroditus showed up to my front door and he said, oh, by the way, the church of Philippi has given you this gift, man. And I imagine Paul maybe coming to his wit's end thinking, how in the world am I going to make it? I can't go tent make, make my own money like I'm used to. What am I going to do? And all of a sudden, it shows up at his door. Have you ever had something like that happen to you? Man, it's just, and I, I wonder sometimes, you know, we talked about anger and anxiety last week. I wonder sometimes that we're so anxious and we're so about control and making sure that everything meets that we totally miss the blessing that God wants to send us our way because it's not about all of the things. It's about God providing. And that's what was happening here. You were concerned for me. You thought about me, but you didn't have opportunity and now you have opportunity. And he says this, verse number 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need. Look, I'm not trying to massage you for more cash. I, I, I'm not trying to be like, oh man, this is so great, send more. You know, like the TV people, right? Y'all know those people, they're always out there, they're always asking for this, and they're saying, hey, get this prayer napkin, and man, if you do, you'll be a millionaire, and all this kind of stuff right there. This is not what Paul's trying to do. He said, I'm warning y'all, I'm not trying to do that at all. He's like, I'm just, I'm speaking, I'm, not that I'm speaking of being in need. I have learned in whatever situation I am how to be what? Content. So what was learning? You remember what was learning? It's hearing. It's considering. We're thinking about things. We're learning. So there's something so irritating about learning. And that is this. I said this to Valerie yesterday because I... I talked things out a lot, and I said, you know, there's something so irritating about learning. And, like, she wasn't really paying attention, but being a lifelong learner and teacher and student herself, when I said, well, there's something so irritating about learning, she went, skirt? <laughs> like, she was getting ready to judge me. You know, I said, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up. And I said, here's the problem. When, when you learn, it's not simply a building up of knowledge. It is taking something that you thought you knew, tearing it to the ground, and then allowing a stronger opinion or stronger case to be present. For example, as we are kids, we have to form at least loose opinions about everything as kids and adolescents and adults to just be able to function in the world. Let me explain. All right, so let's pretend... Let's pretend every morning, every single morning of my life, here's what I do. I wake up, and then I go to turn on the light switch. Let's pretend the light switch is right here, and I'm like this right here. Before I turn it on, I'm like, whoa. Whoa. And I go to, I, I'm like looking at it, and this is every morning of my life. Let's pretend. And I go, and I'm like, I flip it up, and I'm like, the light comes on, like, what happened? Whoa. Whoa. I'll do it again. 
And I, ha, 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 ha. Same thing when I go to build a fire, right? Go to build a fire, and then I'm like, oh, 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 oh. What if I did that every time with every situation in my life? Right? And by the way, that's exactly what men do when they make a fire. (laughs) Can I get an amen, ladies? Something about fire. I don't know what it is. Brings a primitive instinct out, man. But what if literally every, like you got in your car, and you had a key, and you were like, and you were looking at it, huh. and then you go to put it in, and you, you're like messing with it, and then you're like, steering wheel. What would life be like if every situation you were that way? Would it be like, you know, your spouse would be like, I need medication. <laughs> Right? So you have to form basic opinions about everything to just operate. And I think that's one of the reasons as adults we lose the wonder of the world because we form those opinions and then where kids are like that, wow, that's amazing. But you, you have to be able to form opinions, right? So the thing, irritating thing about learning is whenever somebody tells me something that I think, I don't know if that's right or not, if I'm humble... I'm allowing what I I am perceiving to be truth to knock down and level everything I think in that specific area that is true. Because you're basically telling me what I thought about this thing was wrong and we have a choice at that point, don't we? What's the choice? I either resist it and say, nope, nope, I know, nope, let me tell you something, I think I'm right. Or we at least entertain Doggone it. I might be wrong. So what's Paul saying here? He was like, look, I I have learned and I am learning how to be what? Content. So you know what it tells me? Paul struggled with it too. Because Paul also said, I know how to abound. I know how to, man... I wonder how wealthy Paul was before he started on this journey. I don't know, but I imagine he did well for himself, his status. I know how to do well. I know how to sit there and eat caviar out of silver bowls. And I also know what it is to scrounge for a rat in prison. Right? This isn't modern North America correction facility we're talking about. We're talking about Roman prison. Right? So, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Where, whatever situation, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. Whatever happens, I have learned, there's the word again, the what. Do you see that in verse number 12? I have learned the what? The secret. Ooh, 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 secrets. Whoa, secrets. Don't you like secrets? You ever see somebody over in the corner and they're like, and like, if you're honest, you're wondering, 
Like, it's really bad if they're whispering and they look back at you <laughs> and they laugh and then they go back and you're like, oh, 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 okay. There's something about, but Paul's not talking about that kind of secret. He said, I have learned the secret for what? What is the secret of? The secret of facing plenty and hunger. Wait a second. What's the secret? The secret is in verse number 13 that we quote all the time. I've learned the secret to facing hunger and to facing abundance. Here is the secret in verse number 13. I can do what? All things. I'm afraid a lot of times we take this out of context. I'm afraid sometimes what we do is we say, you know what, God? I'm just going to do my thing, and I don't really care much about what you think, but I'll claim that verse over every single thing I do, even if the thing that I'm doing is wrong. Have we ever stopped and thought when we go first, Philippians 4.13 on our eyes? Have we ever stopped and thought? I wonder and prayed, God, is is what I'm doing, am I good, am I doing right, or am I doing wrong? I was going to set y'all up this morning. And I, I'm choosing right now to not. I was going to ask you, what do you think all things means? And I was going to hear you say, all things, but hang on a second, let me ask you a question. Does God want you to be a strong Christian or a weak Christian? Strong. So are there things that you can do in life that make you weak? Let me ask you this. What if you know the truth about something, but it's much easier and it doesn't rock the boat if you just tell a lie about it? When you tell a lie, does that make you stronger as a person? Or does it weaken you? And you feel it, don't you? When we go to lie, we get softer we get a little shaky, and it makes us feel what? Weak. So when he says, I can do all things, he's not saying, man, you know what, God, I'm Paul, and because you saved me, I can do whatever I want to do because I'm a Christian. And in a way, there is part truth to that. Because as a Christian, I have liberty to do about everything I want to do. But it's not right for me to do everything I want to do. This is where we should examine ourselves. And I should ask, when I say I can do all things through Christ, ask myself, well, is what I'm doing true? Is what I'm doing right? Did I even stop and pray before I go get this loan on this thing? Did I even pray about it? Amen. How many of us that stings a little bit? Amen. How many introverts are in the room? <laughs> so, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, right? Verse number 14, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you know and yourselves at the beginning of the gospel I left. Nobody entered, right? We, we read all that. Well, what are they sharing? L literally, what is the Philippian church sharing with Paul? Literally. What are they sharing with him? Okay, money, right? Currency, right? We need to ask ourselves, what is money? Now, we could say, I'll tell you what, man, it ain't worth the paper it's printed on. I, I, I agree that it's worth less 
But if it wasn't worth the paper that it's printed on, then you couldn't go to the supermarket and trade it for bread and meat. So it's worth something. It may be devaluing, but it's worth something. But I think the key is in the word currency. Have you ever thought about what the first part of that word is? Current. What's a current? What does a current do? It flows in and it flows out. When we set our eyes and we set our affections on things like money, Jesus used the Semitic word mammon, which is money or possessions. And when we set our eyes on those things, it's really foolish because it goes and it comes. How many of us have had a catastrophe in our life and we thought we were here financially and then it just decimated us? Right? So that tells you it goes and it comes. What does the Bible have to say about giving? And let me ask you this. Well, let, yeah, let's go to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 and 8. Let's see what the Bible says. What does it say about sharing? First Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 9, that's right. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. And I love that right there because I'm not certain. Matter of fact, I, I don't think that modern day Christians in the New Covenant are under the same financial laws that the Old Covenant was under. But the principle of giving is still there. Because even before the law came, you look at Abraham, you look at Melchizedek. Anybody ever heard or read about Melchizedek? He is a, that's kind of a strange story. And Abraham gave a tenth to him. It says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me just say to everybody today, if the offering plate passes you by and you are filled with the spirit of anger, God, I just can't. And you're just like, yeah, whatever, okay, whatever. Please, please, please keep your money. The financial people in the room will be like, no, just, just give it anyway. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I'm confident of this. God is going to take care of this ministry. Amen. You mean to tell me that I'm wondering, does the God of heaven, does he see us? Do we not believe what we say we believe? God's going to take care of ministries that are doing His work. He is. Right? So if you begrudge that, then just don't. Wait for God to speak to you, but I'm here to tell you, you cannot outgive God. It can't happen. Let me show you another verse about that over in... Um, Luke 6, Luke 6, verse number 38. I think we put that up there. Yeah. Give, and it will be given to you. Right? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. It will be put into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be... I wish we had the, the previous verse up there. Is there any way you could put the previous verse up there? I, man, I, I'm sorry, Hannah. I give Hannah so much trouble when I do things like this. Um, does everybody have their Bibles? All right, look in Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38, and look at 
Hannah, I thought I heard you cuss back there. <coughs> oh, she, oh, we got to ask and you shall receive. There it is. <laughs> judge not and you will be and you will not be judged. All right? So, judging is making a decision, making a verdict. Right? Considering things and making decisions aren't bad, but when you judge another person and you be like, "Okay, this is who they are." No, you don't know. You don't know. Condemn not. In other words, that's the word for damnation. So don't say, well, that person's going to hell. And you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be what? Forgiven. Forgiven. Now the next verse, like we were at. Give and it will be what? So how much sense does it make for me to say, no, I'm not going to give to nobody. I'm looking out for me. I'm looking out for mine. Forget everybody else. Does it make sense for me to do that? No. Man, I gotta, can I show you one more verse? Can I do that? Y'all not going to leave, are you? <laughs> Look in Proverbs. Man, I don't even know if I told you all this one. Is, is there a Proverbs one up there? Oh, it's up there. Okay. I can read. It says, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Well, that doesn't make sense. Giving freely, my hands are open, not closed. If I give freely... I get all the richer? Other, another withholds what he should give, and what does he suffer? Want. Now the next verse. Whoever brings blessing will be what? Enriched. And the one who waters will himself also be watered. So let, let me just take a moment and say this. Sometimes we focus all on the 10%. We look at 10%. And we, we take that, like I, I believe it's an Old Testament principle, but I believe it's a good principle. But sometimes we look at it like this. Well, man, if I can't give 10%, I'm not going to give nothing. I don't know if that's right. Like, I don't think God would have you starve. Right? But could you say, well, I can't do 10, but I can do 5? I can't do 10, but I could do 2? Here's my bottom line on all of that. And I'll, I'll jump on to the next thing after this. My bottom line is this. It is in the heart of the believer, it is in the heart of the Christian to worship. Giving is as much worship as singing is worship. Because we are laying things at God's feet and we're saying, I don't know what you're going to do with this. I don't exactly know how to go about this. But I'm laying this because I want to be obedient and I want to give back because I believe it's worshipful and it's good. Amen? Okay, so I'm going to jump off that. Now go back to our scripture, Philippians 4. Yet it was kind for you to share in my trouble, and you Philippians know yourselves in the beginning I left, all that stuff. Verse number 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs. Once again, this ain't the first time you've done this. You sent, my, you sent help once, and you did it again, and you're starting to develop a generous heart. Not that I seek the gift, in other words, once again, I'm not seeking more money. I'm not buttering you up so you send me more. But here, y'all, this is so good. This is so good. But I seek, can I freak out on y'all a second? I'm going to nerd out on y'all. That's the better word. Not that I seek the gift. I'm not seeking more money. But here's what I'm seeking, the fruit that increases to your credit or to your account. How many of you see that? Yeah. Guys, I'm not seeking for more money is what he says. He's like, I'm seeking the fruit. Well, what's fruit? Anybody tell me what a fruit is? Literally, what's fruit? 
Somebody just throw it out there. What's fruit? Food from what? From a tree, right? There is a season for fruit bearing, right? The tree grows. If it's healthy, it bears what? It bears fruit. What's Paul saying? Y'all, I'm not seeking anymore. Here's what I'm telling you. I'm getting so excited because I know you're being obedient to the word and you have sacrificed for me. And I'm just like, oh, almost like a little schoolgirl. I'm so excited because I know that what you give will not return in vain. And I can't wait to see what happens because you were obedient. It's going to be awesome. And he's probably already looking around like, man, what's going to happen now? But even better than that, this blew me away when I studied this this week and I was, I could not get over it. It says the fruit that increases to your what? What does it say? Your credit or to your account. In other words, there's some kind of account that is being built up as I serve God in my Christian life. Well, what does that look like? Well, let's look. In Mark 9, 41, here's the question. Can a Christian lose their reward? In Mark 9, 41. Can a Christian, go back to that last one real quick. Can a Christian lose their reward? I'm going to give you two verses and hopefully this will help everybody. Can a Christian lose their reward? Mark 9, 41, and it says this. For truly I say unto you, whoever, such a simple task, gives a cup of water for what? To drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. So if I'm doing something for Christ, even if it's something like, man, I gave a cup of coffee to my brother. Got a little anxious over it, but I gave a cup of coffee to my brother. Will you get a reward for that? Yes, but there is one way that you can lose your reward, and this shows a heart from the beginning that is corrupt. Look in, uh, what's the other scripture? I had another one there. Yeah, Matthew 6, 1 through 2. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people. Y'all feeling this? In order to be what? That indicates a heart that's not even right in the first place. Look, whenever we do things to be seen of people, you go do a good deed and you want everybody to see you did the good deed, you lost it. Whenever I'm standing around a bunch of people and, man, I did this thing for that person, it's gone. A people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Is there another verse with that? Thus, when you give to the needy, don't do what? As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and streets, that they may be praised. Truly, I say to you, they have received what? Their reward. But it even gets better. In verse number 17, it says, I'm not seeking the gift. I seek the fruit that increases to your what again? Last time. Credit or to the account. Guess what? And if anybody has a a Bible study tool with you, you can look this up for yourself. It blew my mind. Do you know what that word credit or account is in the Bible, the Greek word? It's the word logos. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Over in John 1, 1 and 2, you know what that same word is used? In the beginning was the word. That's the same word. Logos. And the logos, the word, was with God. Why do you think the word word is capitalized? Because it's talking about somebody. Who do you think it's talking about? It's talking about Jesus. 
the Word was with God and the what was God? The Word! The Word, Word, is Jesus! And it's the same Word as here. And I think Paul is just like saying, hey, I'm not seeking more stuff from you. I'm good. I'm supplied. Here's what I'm so excited about. I can't wait to see what happens because it's building up in your account in heaven, not at truest, not at first horizon, but it is building up your account in heaven. And guess who the account is? The account is Jesus. You are building up in Jesus when you give to others and you bless others and you sacrifice for them. It's so sweet. And you don't even know it yet. But I'm trying to tell you, it's going to be so good. All those deeds that you did that nobody saw, all those late nights, all those sacrifices, all those long phone calls, listening to a brother or sister vent and just air out their frustrations. Brother or sister, it does not go in vain. When you give to somebody, even if you're getting snookered, we do need to be wise, yes. But even sometimes in our wisdom, we get taken, don't we? Guess what, though? They might have taken that money and gambled it away. But guess what? If you did that and you didn't tell nobody about it, guess what you got in heaven? And you're putting back into Christ. Isn't that amazing? I just, I'm sorry if I, that just, that blew me away. Verse number 18, I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus, remember he was the guy, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable, pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to what? His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's the last thing, man, I got to tell you. Your dad owns it all. Amen. Sometimes, and I'm, this, is, this is me as well, maybe it's you. Sometimes we get so anxious or so antsy, we feel like God's calling us out of our comfort zone to do something that's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be right. But it's like, man, I just don't know if that's going to work. Maybe he's calling you to start a new job or maybe he's calling you to start a business or I don't know. Maybe he's calling you to go back to school and you, you are filled up in your mind with fear and doubt. It's lying to you and it's saying, no, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. Sure, I guess we can make wrong decisions for sure, but at the same time, you got to remember who your dad is. Do you remember who your dad is? It's Jehovah. It's Yahweh. It's Elohim. It's Adonai. He is your Abba. He is your dad. And so here's what I can legitimately say. This sounds crazy to people that aren't believers, but I can say about Southwest Airlines. I can say to somebody, hey, you know what? My dad owns that airline. He does. Man, y'all know that 100-acre farm maybe you've been eyeballing? Nobody been doing that? Okay, so you've been eyeballing a 100-acre farm, and as you drive by that farm and you're looking at it, you're like, man, that is, oh, man. And you're thinking, like, oh, I'm wrestling with it. What would it be? And to own it. And you can ride by that farm, and here's what you can legitimately say. 
Somebody else might have the deed on that, but my father owns that. That doesn't give you permission to hunt it, though. <laughs> I know what y'all thinking. <coughs> I forget that posted sign. My dad. I know. Y'all are getting ready. I had to do a disclaimer because some of y'all are going to get ready to be arrested this week. <laughs> Sir, I don't know where all that corn came from. I, I, I fell out the sky, I guess, you know. But here's what I can legitimately say. It's not right or wrong for a Christian to purchase things, to buy things, to have things. If you have money in here, fantastic. It's not wrong to have money. By the way, people misinterpret the scripture. They say, well, money, it's the root of all evil. That's not what the scripture says. It says the love of it. There are good people, probably even in this room, that you have money, but you're generous and you give. Well, guess what I say to that? Hallelujah! Glory to God. I want other Christians to have things and to be able to have more income. That's fantastic. That way you can give more away. But I can say about that 100-acre farm that I passed by, I could say, you know what? My dad owns that. And if he wants to give it to me, and I don't have enough money to buy it, but if I pursue it and I feel like it's right, and if he wants me, his child, to have that, guess what he's going to do? He's going to make it a way to happen. And I think that's dead on. Now, he may not. And you don't get to be like. <laughs> but you can say that wasn't God's will. Amen. And so if he don't give you that, and all you have is an apartment, be thankful. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for listening. It, it means the world to me that you would take the time to listen to our sermons. If, you, if you'd like to connect with us, shoot us an email at office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. That's office at hopechurchmillcreek.com. Or just come by for a service in person, 1030 a.m. Sunday mornings. Address is 1562 Mill Creek Road, Roxboro, North Carolina. Uh, I would love to meet you in person, and um, I guess that's all for now. So don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcast if you would, kindly. We pray that you'd have a great day. Uh, for Hope Church Mill Creek, I'm Pastor Josh. Grace and peace.